Well, good morning, guys. Thank you, worship team. Um, my name's Mike. I'm the one she's got dibs on. Um, I know, right? Ugh. She's got low standards. It's cool. Um, but anyway, so, so my name's Mike, and I am the, uh, the lead pastor here at the, the Brigham City campus. And, um, you know, there are a lot of different places. If, you're, if you are new uh, here, there's a lot of uh, places that we'd love to, to get people plugged in to, uh, to serve or to grow more in their faith. And um, if you don't know, Alpine Church is a multi-site church. We have six physical locations. We have two uh, Latino, Spanish-speaking campuses and an online campus. We have uh, teaching pastors that sometimes rotate through the, the, different, uh, the different campuses. And we have resources that, um, that we, we put together so that you can take the lesson that you learn on a Sunday morning and, 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 and take it and, and uh, use it to grow your family, to have these discussions with your family, to follow up on that lesson with your kids or with your spouse or, or you know, whoever that is. And, you know, so we have printouts at the back of the room. You're welcome to, to run and grab one if you want that goes along with the message if you, if you didn't get, um, if you didn't get that when you came in. And also, if you need a Bible, there's Bibles back there. You're welcome to grab one and, and keep it or use it for the, for the service or whatever. But anyway, we are in the, we're in the third week of this uh, sermon series um, on Jonah, obviously, and and we're seeing the big idea in in the series come to light, and that is that the story of Jonah is about the God of miracles who's willing to let everyone off the hook for their sins. And so, if you haven't been able to join us for the last couple lessons, here's here's kind of what uh, um, what we we've gone through. We saw what happened uh, in week one. We saw what happened when when Jonah ran. He was given a, a message from God to deliver to the hated Ninevites, and, uh, and he didn't want to deliver. Jonah didn't want to deliver it because he suspected that, that God would forgive them for their heinous sins. And, and so he finds himself uh, on a ship headed in the opposite direction with the goal of trying to hide from God. And so God sends this huge uh, supernatural storm on the Mediterranean Sea and the other sailors on the ship, they ultimately, because this storm is so violent, they ultimately decide to toss Jonah overboard so that they will stop reaping the uh, collateral damage of Jonah's sin. And then in week two, um, we learned what happened when Jonah prayed. Uh, we called it how to pray from rock bottom, right? Because after Jonah gets tossed overboard, he's immediately swallowed by a big fish or some sort of a, a creature of, of some sort. And um, and he's inside this this animal. He's inside this thing for three days and nights. And then in, while he's inside this fish, he, he, he realizes, he recognizes two things. One, that he's responsible for making bad choices that have consequences. And two, that God is a God of discipline and that God insists that we follow him rather than our own way. See, that, something that you'll, you'll hear us talk about here at Alpine Church a lot is the definition of sin is when we follow our own will or go our own way instead of going God's way. And so when Jonah figures these things out, he prays to align his heart with God's. And then at the end of the chapter, we see that, that Jonah is, is vomited out onto the dry land. Um, so, you know, Jonah, is, he's put through the ringer here, right, through these events. Um, these are real crisis moments in his life. But really, 
What's more important here is that Jonah is presented with a second chance at life. <clears throat> now, I can relate to this here. Um, I've gone through uh, several life-threatening inv- events in, in a matter of, you know, short amount of, of time. And uh, events that, although not quite as, as dramatic as what Jonah experienced, were really scary, really, uh, really scary. And afterward, I felt like God was giving me a second chance, and I began to make changes that eventually rerouted the direction of my life. And maybe, um, maybe you guys feel that way going through this series too. In fact, I'll bet that several of you can look back at, at some of these crazy, scary, even tragic moments in your lives, and, and now that you can see that God was working through them the whole time. So I'm, I'm happy to present this first point here today, which is this. God is a God of second chances. And maybe that's exactly what you were hoping for this morning when you got up and decided to come to church. Maybe you were hoping to hear that there was still time for you to have a second chance with God. So in Jonah 3, in the first verse of of Jonah 3, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. Now, sometimes... Um, when my kids have, have you know, pushed my buttons um, one too many times, and I have to repeat myself for the 10th or 11th time, um, I will repeat myself a final time, only I will oftentimes drop the volume of my voice. I will be very, very calm, remove all the emotion from it, and for some reason, they suddenly seem to understand the seriousness with which I am asking them to move, right? And I kind of wonder if that's what you know, maybe God did here. I can kind of imagine that he, he said, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you, right? Because I think that's how he did it. That's how he did it to me. Um, but because Jonah jumps, right? He gets up and, and he goes now. Um, he, I mean, Jonah gets, gets after it right away. And so, you know, there's a second chance here for Jonah and a second chance uh, for Nineveh as well. See, Jonah is being offered a, a new beginning. God was determined to work through Jonah, um, even though you know he didn't have to after the after the first time that he that he ran away. Right? He could have he could have used someone else. Um, he could have given up be, uh, on him because of his disobedience. You know, he he could have used someone else. He could have done any number of you know wild dramatic things. Uh, to get that message delivered to the people of Nineveh. <clears throat> but the fact that God did not stop at the punishment, but instead carried through to reconciling and to reestablishing Jonah demonstrates that God's heart always seeks reconciliation. Okay, God already had that heart before Jonah ran. He had that heart that he wanted reconciliation. And from our perspective... You know, as broken people, um, we can lose sight of this sometimes. In our humanity, we are often uh, very quick to declare that a relationship is beyond fixing or, or that it's not worth fixing. 
But God's determined to give Jonah another shot here. And the second time, um, you know, God didn't tell Jonah ahead of time what to say, what the message was going to be that he was supposed to give to Nineveh until he got there. God was simply calling Jonah to go and to wait for, for further information later on. So I wonder, how do we respond when we feel like God is only telling us the, the, just the, the next step in, uh, in our, what we're doing in our life rather than the full story? When God gave Jonah the whole story, he ran away, right? So we have to remember that sometimes God only gives as much as we can understand or as much as we can handle and asks us to trust him a step at a time. That's where the tough part comes in in our humanity, though, because that's not what we want to do. And we can see here in, in the second uh, verse in that, in that passage right there that Jonah didn't even know what the message would be exactly. He was simply told to go, and God would let him know. He, Jonah's job was to demonstrate an attitude of faith. And now when we come to faith, we don't always know what that's going to mean down the road in, in this life either. But we know that we should have the heart to find out what pleases God and then, and then do it. Now, early in my life, I will tell you that um, I knew in my heart that it was my responsibility to share my faith. Um, I knew that. I, I absolutely knew that that was my responsibility and to devote myself to the life that God called me to. But in my 20s and 30s, um, you know, I ignored it. Um, I, I, I ignored it, and, and since I was, since I knew it, and I was intentionally ignoring it, you could say that I was running from it, kind of like Jonah, right? Um, in my late thirties, though, I came back to to my faith, and I did it with some intentionality, you know. And then a few years ago, um, I had it in my mind that I wanted to go and and, and I wanted to do full time work with a, uh, a ministry that I've been blessed to work with um, that does human trafficking rescues. Um, it's exciting and it's fulfilling work, but it's, it's in California, right? And so I began to pray and pray often that, that God would see fit to make it clear to my wife that we needed to move to California to be a part of, of that ministry, right? I, I believe that was the path that I needed to go. And God eventually put it on my heart that the thing I was missing was an under, under, I was missing the understanding of how to how to do ministry. Right now, I knew that I was never going to be a pastor um, or really get into you know doing ministry for real because that wasn't my job. I knew that in my heart that that wasn't going to be the case. I was sure that God wanted me to learn how to do ministry so that I could prepare myself to go move to California to, to work with uh, a ministry, this one that I loved in particular. So, so I jumped in, right? I initially, um, uh, I led the men's ministry here at, at Alpine Church. Uh, then I became an overseer. And um, a few years ago, I received my, my certificate of ministry. And, um, and then about a year and a half ago, God told me the rest of the message that he hadn't told me early on that he'd been preparing me to be, you know, the pastor of, of this campus. Something that, you know, had I known the full message at the time would have prompted me to go and buy four tickets to Tarshish and a fake mustache, right? Because uh, I would have, um, undoubtedly, I'd have been 
hiding from God if that was the case. So early in my life, I was, I was not fully of the mind of finding out what pleases God and doing it. But later on, God was determined to use me. And in his mercy, he gave me a second chance to, to serve and, and honor him. And Jonah's the same way. Right? He is prepared to go this time. He's not going to run away. Right? He's ready to do it. He's ready to go. He understands that, God's, that, that God will be obeyed. Absolutely. He understands that the discipline that God showed him was his own fault and that it should have been expected because, the, it, because loving discipline is part of God's character. See, Jonah, he's finally understood this, right? <clears throat> but we also see that Nineveh also got a second chance here. Nineveh, uh, this was, uh, you know, this was a, a people that was openly hostile to God and his people. The fact that, that Jonah was given a message to go and take to Nineveh in the first place demonstrates God's heart towards reconciliation. I mean, think about it. Remember, this was, this was the city that was known, they were known as the city of murder and lies. Brigham City is known for peaches, right? Like, this, this was a bad, bad place. But God wants them to come back to him, and he wants them to know why. So our second point here is, is this. It's not that. There it is. The second point is this. God's message is simple and powerful. Now, maybe you're sitting there holding the Bible, or maybe you're thinking about that, that Bible that you've got, you know, on, the, on the, the shelf at home, and you're thinking that, man, there's a lot in this book. There's nothing about it that's that's simple, right? There's no way the message that I need out of it is simple. Well, to that, let me just say that as we grow closer to God, as we mature in our faith, the things that we read in God's word make sense more to more, uh, make sense to us more and more as we, as we read it and, and understand it. And the first message that God wants Nineveh to hear is that the direction that they are heading in has significant consequences. So in verse 4, it says, on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Like, that's the whole message? That's, that's, you ran for those eight words? Seems like a whole lot of drama that Jonah brought on himself over this simple message. Now, the reality is that this may not have been the only thing that, that he told them. Um, that might not have been the only words, um, but that is the central theme to what, he, to what he, uh, he shared with them, and those are the only words that the Holy Spirit cared to share with us. But the fact is, it's not an, an eloquent message with, with persuasive and flashy religious words or, or terms or something. It was simple, and it was direct. And it, it would be easy to pass this message off as religious hyperbole too, right? This is, um, this is an all too common thing uh, that we hear from our culture. If they, will, if they discuss God's word at all, um, you know, they can pass it off as, as hyperbole. But honestly, we shouldn't be surprised because in 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. 
And in the very next chapter, it says, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. <clears throat> now, this is the Apostle Paul talking here, writing, writing here. And he's writing this letter to the Corinthian church about, you know, 400 years after the story of, of Jonah took place. But his message is just as simple and just as powerful. And, and even though it was simple, Jonah was emboldened, emboldened, right? He walked through that town of these people that um, he knew were terrible, right? He knew they were violent and they were evil. And he walked through that town emboldened and gave the message that, that they needed to hear. Simple fact is we should preach the gospel with boldness. My, my friends, some of your closest friends and, and family are not reconciled with God. Right now as we sit here, some of your closest people in your families, your friends are not reconciled with God. And one day, you know, Maybe 40 days, maybe 40 years from now, their chance for reconciliation is going to be over. So we should preach the gospel with boldness. God calls us to be faithful to share his word. And, and you know, he doesn't, call us, he doesn't call us to change people, right? The Holy Spirit changes people. Only, only he can, can change them. It's our job to go and to share that message. Now these Assyrians here, uh, were the last people that you would expect to repent. They were known for their brutality and their violence. And I want you to think, have you, have, have you given up trying to reach someone or, or, or praying for someone because you think that they're beyond God's reach? I mean, that's a question we kind of we have to ask ourselves and then ask again, like with some sincerity. Have I stopped trying to reach this one because I think they're, they're beyond God's reach? Maybe, they're, maybe we think their situation is somehow worse than, than somebody else's or whatever. The fact is, guys, they are not beyond his reach. Keep at it. Stick with it. Keep preaching recon reconciliation and, and repentance to them. See, the thing is, we never know where God is working, but we can be certain that he is working. Back in 1989, Dr. James Dobson, uh, if, you, if you know him, he, he was the, the founder of Focus on the Family, right? Um, and in, in 1989, he sat down uh, for an interview with the serial killer Ted Bundy. Um, and in this, in this uh, interview with Ted Bundy, um, he claimed to have repented and placed his faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of of his sins. Now, do I believe that Ted Bundy um, truly repented? Um, I don't know. I have no idea. He certainly was a top-level manipulator. But I know that God is faithful to forgive even those that we don't believe are worth saving. See, the, the, the power is in the message if we choose to believe. And that brings up our third point here, which is every generation gets to make its own choice. In Jonah 3, 5, it says, the people of Nineveh 
believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. The people of Nineveh, they believed God's message. And repentance always begins with believing God. Now notice I didn't say believing in God, right? Because after all, Satan believes in God. What he doesn't believe is that God's way is better than his own way. But confession, which accompanies repentance, literally means to agree with. And so we begin the process of repentance by agreeing with God about our sin, right? About, remember what I said a minute ago, about our sin, which is about going our way instead of his. And you can't believe God without hearing the word of God. Repentance and revival both begin with the faithful preaching of God's word. And this time, Jonah faithfully preached the word, and the entire city repented. And we see that right here in, in this, this directive from the king of Nineveh in, in verse 8. It says, he, this is what he was saying, the king was saying, <clears throat> everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell, perhaps even yet, God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Now I find it, you know, kind of interesting here that the king seems to already know something about God's nature. Maybe Jonah shared a more extensive message with the king um, than, than we get to read, but let's contrast the king's comments maybe. There we go. Let's contrast the king's comments where it says in, in uh, verse 8, or verse 9, it says, perhaps he will change his mind with the definitive assurance that we have in God's forgiveness when it comes, uh, when we come to him in repentance. And in the New Testament, in 1 John 1, 9, it says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So you guys, we can have that assurance and hope that the king was, was wanting. We can have it because we can see that God is consistent and God is faithful. And in Jonah 3.10, it says, When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. So what had they done? How had they put a stop to their sinful ways? Well, in verse 8, in verse 8, it said that the king warned the people to turn away from their evil ways, right? The, and true repentance shows um, itself in, with, when, we, when we change our attitude and, and our behavior. And that's what the people of, of Nineveh did, this entire city. And Nineveh was at one point considered the biggest city in the world. So you see, bigger than that supernatural hurricane we, we talked about in week one, bigger than the fish or sea monster that swallowed Jonah and then vomited him back up on on land a couple of days later that we learned about in week two. The biggest thing in this story, the word of God delivered simply and powerfully caused the largest city in the world, the city of murder and lies, to choose to, to turn away from its evil ways. And in, oh, come on. 
In Jeremiah 18, verse 7 and 8, it says, The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up, to pull down, and to destroy it, if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. And a similar choice awaits a lot of people today too. Each of us here today has heard the same simple and powerful message. Turn away from your evil ways or you will be destroyed. Now each of us in this room, each of us is a sinner and each of us is just as sinful as the Ninevites were. And each of us is facing an eternity of being separated from God unless we each make the choice to turn away from our sinful ways and go God's way instead. Now, guys, we aren't made right because our parents were right with God, okay? That's important for us to know. And as parents, we also have an obligation to bring our kids up knowing Jesus because they have a choice to make of their own. The Ninevites, they made the decision to repent for themselves, but the unfortunate part is they failed to share that with their subsequent generations, and ultimately, God's judgment was delayed as those following generations unfortunately reverted back to their evil ways and Nineveh was eventually destroyed about 150 years later. We don't want that written about our kids though, do we? Guys, God's heart is to forgive and to extend mercy. That is the simple and powerful message of the gospel. Now both Jonah and Nineveh got a chance. Forty days is a long time for a righteous God to, de to delay judgments, but it's a short amount of time for an unrighteous people to repent and reform. And shouldn't it prompt us to get ready for death since we have no idea if we will live 40 days? We would certainly be alarmed if we knew we wouldn't survive a month, Right? Yet we're careless enough that um, because we aren't, we aren't guaranteed to live through today. The story of, of Jonah that we're learning about is more epic than just a fish tale. It's the story of the God of miracles who's willing to let everyone off the hook for their sins. And I, I hope you make that decision today. Will you guys pray with me? God... Um, you know, I know I have, I have uh, run from you in my life, and um, there are certainly other people here today who, who can relate to that, and they've run from you, or maybe they're even running from you now. And uh, Lord, I just, I just ask that you would put people um, and your word in their, put, put people in their path and your word in their heart. Help them to be able to see your heart on the matter, and, and to, to recognize that, you know, they don't have to know the whole story about where they're going. All they have to do is do what you ask them to do. In fact, what you tell them to do. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would prompt them to, um, to stop putting off, to, to stop delaying in, in obedience to you, but to, to make that change that today they are going to choose to follow you. They're going to put their own heart's desires on the back burner and they are going to focus on you, Lord, and what, and, and what you call them to do, what makes you happy.
and that they won't worry about what, what tomorrow brings because of this change. They won't, won't worry about uh, how they're going to make ends meet or, or what the, the ultimate uh, destination for them in life is, but that they would fully trust you, Lord, that they would, they would worry about today, about trusting, trusting you now, and that tomorrow when they wake up, they'll trust you again, but that that would be the, the path forward for them for the rest of their life. Lord, I pray that for every single person in this room today. Hope that you are glorified through this message, Lord, and then through the changes that come about through us as we do strive to, to go your way instead of our own. But Lord, we, we, we glorify you, we love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.